Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's former D3 student athlete and co-host... Ryan! Cam! Two-man monster flush! Off the inbound! Ryan Cam Slam Jam! Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at TheFinalScore35. There is always plenty to run through, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Team Anders' goal is to serve its clients in finding the home that best fits their needs and make the process simple and fun along the way. They are a team of people who will be in close communication personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. Team Anders has served thousands of clients over 30-plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. Another week, another epic week, especially for our boys in green and white. More on that a little bit. By way of an introduction... We got the World Series playing here in the background, game six. Atlanta's got a 3-2 lead, had a chance to clinch in Atlanta. Did not. They're back in Houston. Could be an interesting last couple games. Houston's off to a good start. We've already talked about NBA, NHL. We won't even care about that until about next June when they finally get into their playoffs. College football is where it's at. We've got plenty of time in college football, but don't look now. Hoops starts next week. Michigan State, Kansas is a marquee game. That whole Champions Classic, Duke, Kentucky. We'll get into you know the games certainly as we go. We've got four more team previews today. Plenty of college football. We're bagging the NFL this week. The Lions are absolute officially a dumpster fire with cow manure being dumped on top. They got embarrassed by a not very good Eagles team last week. That's the extent of what we want to talk about the NFL. NFL's been fun. You cannot hold a candle to what we're going to talk about with college football. All right, so with that, let's toss it over to the podium. Ryan, the lectern is yours. Speaking of the NFL, um, there have been an abnormal amount. There's always injuries, but this year I feel like there's been way more and their big names have been hurt, right? Um, Derrick Henry, um, what's it called? The... with Frank or something like oh, that. Oh, the list Frank, yeah, in the foot. Uh, probably done for the year. Say six to ten weeks. I don't think he's going to play the rest of the year. Jameis Winston tears his ACL against that the Bucks. That bad. Uh, the Lions have had about fifteen or sixteen guys with season-ending injuries. Uh, Robert Tanyan from the Packers tore his ACL the other night. JJ Watts out for the season with a shoulder injury. The Ravens have had like every running back they've had tear something, whether it be shoulder or Achilles. Uh, Dak Prescott was hurt last week. It looks like he's going to come back. That's just to name some names. I mean, there have been plenty of other ones I'm sure I'm missing, but those are just some key guys that really have stuck out to me. But it's crazy. I just feel like with the way things are now, the guys take care even better care of their body. It might be overworking um, training and stuff like that, but they take care of their bodies, it seems like, really well. So I, I don't know if it's just a freak thing or it's just – I don't know. It's weird. It's weird stuff, but uh, hopefully the injuries will stay away. And pardon my voice as it's still hoarse from Saturday. Yeah, I mean, NFL injuries, and the thing is, is that we haven't necessarily talked about it here, but that begs the question, is 17 games, that's more money, but is that really the right thing to do? I mean, we're seeing star players going down left and right. You could have one of these, maybe this year, you know, playoffs and a Super Bowl with, you know, a bunch of backups, you know, like what 
Maybe for the Jets, that's not a bad thing because their backup quarterback went gangbusters last week. All right, shifting gears for my podium. If you're a Michigan State fan, you know exactly where I'm going to go with this. And we'll talk more about the game here in a minute. But can I just ask, and and not the normal Michigan fans, like you know the guys that I work with who talked a little bit trash last week, but were like, "Hey, congrats, Sparty, good win." Blah blah blah. They don't I don't like Sparty, but that they call it Sparty, but that's besides the point. Tom, text me after the game. Great game. Congrats. Put that to the side. D'Antonio covered this. And we got, you know, those who listened last week know that we talked to Coach D last week. And if you missed that on our Michigan State, Michigan podcast, go back and listen to it. It's well worth it. And, and, and he started this when he talked about how, you know, the kind of the BS of the, the spike throwing and the trash talking and the little brother and whatever, that that comes from within, that that comes from with the program. Coach D was exactly right because we're still seeing it. It's Tuesday. It's four days after an epic college football game. And all Michigan coaches and players and their Walmart fans can do is complain about the officiating. Folks, Michigan State didn't handpick the officials. It is what it is. Officials have a tough job. They blow potentially a couple calls a game. But I'm going to tell you what, the fumble that you wanted to be the, the game ender there in the first half, that was called in by replay. And it was overturned because there's irrefutable video evidence. You don't have to agree with what you saw. You could have blinked when it happened. I don't really care. But stop whining about it. Take the L like a man. Like Mike Valenti, who used to produce a show that I would appear on once in a while on Lansing with Mad Dog, you know, uh, when he was the producer, talked about on his show with Rico Beard this week, stick that Christmas story bar of soap in your mouth and taste the L. You blew a 16-point lead. Stop finding things to blame it on. A play, a ref, a this, a that. You got outclassed, and it starts with your damn coach. Harbaugh, shut up. In the heat of the battle, I get it. You're working the refs. Nobody's ever happy when their team loses, and there's bang-bang calls. You had a guy on video try to choke out Kenneth Walker just before his, I believe it was his last touchdown. You don't see Michigan State complaining about that. I'm hoping that they send it in. My point here is stop. All you're doing is fueling the rivalry. Your trash talk, your whining, it just makes us hate you even more. And it makes us take even more joy in this game. Do yourself a favor and shut up. And Jimmy, maybe if you stop complaining about the refs two, three days after, your players who took to the media today to do the same wouldn't do it. Start at the top, clean up your program, stop whining about what was an epic college football game, and be a freaking real man. All right, moving on. We are going to go to our personal foul. We got a couple to throw this week. Um, we can just kind of banter, banter them back and forth, but first... Couple of just stupid, one career changing DUI oh, moves. Yeah, I mean, probably career ending. Yeah, prison starting. Uh, if you missed it, right, great wide receiver from Alabama who plays for the Raiders, Henry Ruggs, charged with DUI causing death in an accident yesterday. Uh, RIP to whomever the victim was. Their you know prayers and thoughts with their family. I just don't know what these guys are thinking. You're not invincible. Call an Uber. You make millions of dollars. Have a driver. Have a backup plan. 
And then you got Wilson from Kansas. Didn't fortunately injure or kill anybody, but he got a DUI and is going to sit out a huge first game for Kansas, which is Michigan State and the coaches are in the you know tip-off classic or whatever that game is called this year at Madison Square Garden. What's that one called? Champions Classic. Champions classic. In Michigan State, that's the team they beat the most is Kansas. I mean, like, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? And then the other flag I think that we wanted to throw, that I wanted to throw, and Ryan chime in on this, is teams, college teams, who are firing their coaches midseason. Mm-hmm. Or maybe specifically we could throw the flag at Texas Kansas teams. State. Because it's Texas. Kansas State beat Texas Tech. Texas Tech fired their coach. Kansas State beat TCU. TCU fired their 21-year head coach. I get it if you want to do it at the end of the year. Why are you doing it now? There's still games to be played. You could still go to, bowl go to bowl game. Game. If you want to kind of set on the side, agree it's going to be at the end of the year like LSU did with Orgeron <laughs> and let it just kind of play out, okay, I guess. But uh, like, you're not going to get a head start. Who are you going to hire right now? Who's going to leave their job to come be your head coach? Stupid. Stupid. Penalty flags abound for dumbass drunk driving and for stupid... Rich boosters buying out coaches in the middle of the season. Horrible. All right. Now we get into the meat of the podcast. We're in the Around the World segment. Let's get it started. And they didn't. And they didn't. Courtesy, Gus Johnson, Joel Klatt, Fox Sports. Epic college football game. Epic. Period. There's no other way to put it. I mean, I said to Ryan during the game, the game that I compare it to was probably the second most epic game I've ever seen from start to finish, and that was the Big Ten Championship game in 2013, Michigan State-Ohio State, where Michigan State, boom, jumped out on Ohio State. Ohio State answered and punched them back in the mouth and took a lead, and then Michigan State ended on a run. This game was Michigan run, Michigan State answer, Michigan run, Michigan State answer, Michigan State nail in the coffin. Just an incredible college football game. I, and I would say that if I was on the losing side as well. I mean, it had everything. It had gridlock in East Lansing. It took me 55 minutes to go the last two miles at 7 a.m. It took me 55 minutes to go two miles, two hours after the game. Ryan said it was pandemonium in East Lansing. Never mind the idiots who do the what they do and the few people who burn couches or flip cars. I mean, when are we going to grow up and get over destruction of property as being a way to celebrate? I don't know. But students in the stadium 20, 25 minutes before. I can't recall the last no, time I've seen that. And I've, I've had season tickets it. for 30 years. Maybe when I was a student, I went, even though we weren't very good then. I mean, you had this slugfest back and forth. You had <clears throat> ESPN Game Day, which was out-earned viewers by Fox Big Noon, kudos, because I prefer Fox Big Noon. You had Barstool Sports on campus. I mean, it had everything. And when you have all that hype, to live up to the hype in a game like that, minus the behavior afterwards of, of Michigan and their whining about the refs, I mean, up until then, it had everything. If Michigan had just said, you know what, we choked, we shouldn't have put in our backup freshman quarterback after he had just fumbled, <laughs> I don't care if McNamara was dinged. Put him in there to hand the damn ball off if you're Michigan. Flat out, and then I'll let Ryan talk because I've talked a lot in the last couple of minutes. <laughs> Michigan got out coached. It's the first time, I was talking about this with somebody at work today. It's the first time that I can remember in my life that I sat there down big, 16 points, 
And I wasn't nervous. I don't know why, but I think that's what's intoxicating and, and invigorating about this team is that they don't get nervous. They, to put it, his, his, you know, keep chopping, they keep chopping, to, you know, to put in the, the mantra of Mel, they keep chopping. If you can come back from 16 down with five minutes to go in the third quarter with a running game, you know you got something. And that was special. Ryan? Yeah. Um, echo everything you said. I mean, this is probably the best game I've been to. Best atmosphere I've been involved in. I mean, that that stadium was... Uh, oh, it, It's unbelievable. Still gives me chills thinking about how loud it was in there. Um, unbelievable. Um, so happy about the result, obviously. But would have been happy with the fight back even if Michigan State had lost but still would have been sad but and that was just guts by Michigan State um to come back and win that game um I thought they're dead to rights um really down 30 to 14 um with how how Michigan was playing defensively especially on the in the trenches on both and, sides and of the kudos ball. to Cade McNamara right yeah I Michigan mean, State said we are going to stop your running game yeah and and Michigan has a good one-two running t- attack and said McNamara beat us and he almost, did. he almost did with a freshman who caught his first pass was a 93-yard touchdown, his first career catch in college. Kid from East Lansing, <laughs> big, fast. Brian called him like a Braylon Edwards type. I mean, Michigan's got a nice team. These are two really good teams that if they play 10 times, it's probably going to be 5-5. Five, five. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is. And that's what pisses me off about all the whining about the refs and they stole the game. Stop it. Stop it. You couldn't hold a lead. You couldn't hold your wad because your coach can't coach, and you lost. And it happens. Get over it. Pick yourself up and win the next game. You know, do yourself a favor and beat Ohio State for a change. You know, yeah. something that Harbaugh has not very never done. He's only beaten Michigan State three times, and those were arguably three of Michigan State's worst teams in the last fifteen years. Michigan State is ten and four now in this game. And you can't tell me that it doesn't get under Michigan fans and Michigan players' skin because of the way they talk before the game. That's the other thing is you didn't hear a peep out of East Lansing. You barely heard a peep after the game. You kind of caught um, Xavier Henderson in a, in a raw moment, and, he's, and he told it, and a hot mic told it like it was, but he didn't say anything wrong. <laughs> what he said was exactly right. And Michigan comes out and they said, well, we still don't care. We still don't respect you. Keep at it, boys. Keep doing it. Because guess what? If you haven't figured out by now, that fuel works for Michigan State, and we love it. And I said to Ryan, like, all this pissing and moaning and whining and crying and, and having excuses just makes the rivalry and the, the intensity of the rivalry and the intensity and the satisfaction of the victories that much greater for me because I know they don't want to admit it how bad it hurts to not only not be able to come close to Ohio State but not even hold – little brother's jockstrap. Hmm. You know, one thing, and we'll keep talking about this game a little bit, but aside, certainly, again, though, McNamara, great game. I great don't game know what the what the heck Harbaugh was thinking. Yeah, he took a smash Musical to the chairs. sternum. But you want to force another quarterback in the transfer portal? I mean, the guy was shredding Michigan State's defense until he made, you know, the questionable throw late. I will say, Michigan State's bend but don't break. You can say what you want about it. They held Michigan to four red zone field goals. Four field goals. You don't win games like that with field goals. Your coach got conservative there. He got stupid when he put in a freshman who had fumbled the time before. He blamed it on Corum. That's not on Corum. That's a mesh play that is 100% on the quarterback. That is not the running back thought, hey, he pulled it back. You can see it in the replay, and he's looking for the block. Um, 
I blame that. I, if I'm a Michigan fan, I'm squarely blaming Jim Harbaugh, his inability to kind of shift gears and to adjust at the half. And here's the thing. With the win, Mel Tucker became the first Michigan State coach to win his first two games against the Wolverines. Harbaugh is now 2-13 against top 10 teams at Michigan and 2-9 and against ranked opponents on the road. He's also 3-9 and against Michigan State and Ohio State combined. Michigan has lost 23 of its last 25 games against top 10 teams. And my favorite stat of the day, the Wolverines were 89-1 when leading by at least 16 points in the second half of a game since 2004. 89-1. And they lost. And it wasn't because of the stripes, Jimmy. It was because you got out-coached. Arguably, Michigan probably has more talent. I mean, if you look at the recruiting rankings, they should because they're always ranked in the top 10. <clears throat> they have arguably more talent top to bottom. Their offensive line was incredibly impressive. Really, really good. Their D-line, Hutchinson and the other dude, number 55, I can't even say his oh, name. Jabo, yeah. Really, really good. Secondary, eh. Now, linebackers, mm, now not so much. But that your front four and your offensive line is good. Haskins and Corum, good. Eric All, very good. Eric All, shredded Andrew Michigan State Anthony. over the seam. Andrell Anthony, star. the freshman. You know, Sanistrill. McNamara had, a real, again, a really good game. You lost because of your coach. Mistakes happen in games. Turnovers happen. Peyton Thornton, you know, threw the deep ball early into double. It was kind of like a punt, fine. The other one's a tipped ball. That stuff happens. I mean, sometimes those get intercepted. Sometimes those don't. But otherwise, he managed the game, and Michigan State's best players stepped up. Kenneth Walker, five touchdowns, 197 yards, 208, I think it was, total yards of offense when you factor in his catches. Where he is at this point in his season is ahead of where Derrick Henry, the last running back to win the Heisman Trophy, was back in 2015. 2015. I mean, talk about a Heisman moment. That's like Woodson with the, the spear interception against Todd Schultz back in 97. You know, of course, Michigan State's got four games left. This week's not going to be a picnic going to Purdue. Then they got Maryland, who's going to be hungry, who you know is going to throw the ball all over the yard because Michigan State, again, will bend and hopefully not break. And then it's Ohio State and Penn State. Um, talk about some more marquee moments for Walker, but I, I don't understand for the life of me. Again, that's coaching. How do you not get your team off the field in a substitution pattern? Three times, I think it was, Ryan, at least, yeah, that they got burned. On offsides or an illegal substitution because they didn't flip their defense fast enough. I mean, that is that is 100% coaching. The only other thing that I'll say about the game, and this, again, goes to the program level, right? A buddy of mine who is a fellow Spartan, um, not in Michigan, so he's living in Georgia, he was also watching Georgia-Florida and talked about as much as Georgia-Florida, world's biggest cocktail party, they don't like each other either. There have been some crazy moments in that rivalry. They shook hands after the game. Four... Four Michigan players stuck around to shake hands. Four. Everybody ran off the field. Man up. Nut up. You lost. Calls a little brother. Calls whatever you want. You lost the game. Shake hands. That pisses me off. And that's why Michigan State hates Michigan. You want to call it an inferiority complex? I call it arrogance. You're arrogant asses and you got what you deserved. Ryan, anything else on the game? Uh, no, you said everything I wanted to. Just the finger pointing um, by Jim Harbaugh is just him. I think he knows that his run is 
coming to a halt, I think. I think an Ohio State loss, and with the way Ohio State plays on offense, they might put the nail in the coffin with a big win over them. Um, but I don't know where Michigan would turn after that. That would be the most interesting thing to me. But the finger-pointing goes from him to the fans of the players um, still making excuses. Um, it's just, it's funny. It's just funny to me because you say this rivalry doesn't matter at all, and you act Clearly like it does. And it does. Look, Michigan State, if you watch the CFP rankings come out tonight, we'll talk about those here in a couple minutes. Kenneth Walker was interviewed. <laughs> He's like, hey – Great win. We're on to Purdue. We got to get ready for Purdue. Mel Tucker in his press conference the other day talked about how many things Purdue has done against great teams, including in 1999, Michigan State was undefeated, had just beaten Michigan in a very good game, you know, matchup that we talked about last week. Um, Michigan State went down and Drew Brees absolutely shredded Michigan State 52 to 28 with Purdue, you know, but Michigan State's focused already on Purdue. Have you heard a word about Michigan preparing for Indiana? Just because Indiana's two and six right now, and they've been wounded, uh, good luck in that one, fellas. I mean, you think you're just going to show up and throw up and win? You're spending all your time complaining about the officials in a game you're not going to get back, right, wrong, or otherwise. And I'm telling you, Walker was five yards in the end zone when that ball came out on the first touchdown. So stop whining about that. You know the so- so-called pass interference that you wanted. You tried to run a pick play. And you, it worked because our Michigan State's D-backs ran into, ran into each other. They didn't run into your receiver. They ran into each other. A bad throw. Now, I have not seen enough replays because I haven't watched the full of the of the shin down. Clearly, on replay, they saw that happen. Maybe you have a beef there. Maybe you don't. Whatever the case may be, game over. Look at the scoreboard. You lost. Stop making excuses. Be humble about it. And maybe we can make this a more even rivalry. Yeah, agreed. Uh, all right, let's move to the second spot and let's stay in the Big Ten. Some other crazy things that happened in the Big Ten. Ryan, get us started. What game you want to talk about first? I'll start with the primetime game, Penn State, Ohio State. Penn State looked better. Uh, Clifford looked a lot healthier um, than he did against Illinois the week prior in that devastating loss. But Ohio State's offense continues to just fire on all cylinders, really. I mean, they're playing really well. Their defense is okay um maybe i think it's improved since the beginning of the year but definitely not anything to write home about but still improving um i think that they're 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 tough out from here on out i mean the big 10 tough games remain i mean michigan state michigan it's not going to be easy but uh i'm i'm as of right now i think i have them build to win the east um probably beat michigan state in the close one i think they'll Put Michigan just stomp on. I think they'll put them out of they'll put them out of their misery and onto the next coaching search. Maybe you can go get Gruden now. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, Rutgers got back on track. Beat Illinois, who is Jekyll and Hyde. They'll win against a good team, and then they'll lose to. I mean, Rutgers isn't bad. Um, looking like they might make a bowl game, but they're not great. Um, Minnesota loses another running back. Their third of the season. Um, for the rest of the year, luck. but they're still winning the West. Still winning. Yeah, I mean, they didn't lose. If they don't lose the Bowling Green and in inexplicably they're probably a thirty-one a and a half point team. dog. Yeah, and they they were what twentieth? I think it was yeah. tonight in this first CFP rankings. They're they're sitting atop the Big Ten West. Could be a yet another team to go to the to the uh, Big Ten championship game out yeah, of the West. Another yeah. one that'd be crazy stuff. I mean, wild. I I was absolutely falling seventeen apart yards the in the first half at Wisconsin. Oh, Seventeen. Gross. 
Petrus is that guy's horrible. You know, now Michigan fans, you should be happy because that Wisconsin win looks better and better for yeah, you. Rank now. I mean, obviously, In the you know the the CFP puts you at number seven, um, and I think that's a fair spot. You know, that Wisconsin game on the road, a win. They were not very good, certainly offensively, but clearly a good defense. Um, Iowa doesn't have much of an offense, but. 17 yards in the first half. What was it 27-7 final in that game? I mean, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Iowa had a bye week to prepare too. Not crazy. And yeah, then, dude. I mean, I think we've been we've been seeing the hammer swinging and the last few nails sticking out of the teeth to to hammer that pine coffin shut in um, Lincoln. But oh, I think yeah, it's I'm over. telling you, this weekend it's over. Scott Frost hitched his wagon, ride or die, with Martinez and. I'm, Martinez oh. is bringing him with him to the grave. I mean, he said, Come four on, picks, a pick six. Every game except for last week, I think it was, that he's had a turnover that's been critical. Or just period in a Big Ten game. I mean, they've got, what, three? We're still in the same spot, right? they got three wins, and they still have Ohio, Ohio State. State this week, Wisconsin, in and Iowa. Iowa. There's oh. no way. I mean... If they win all three, he probably saves his job. But this just goes to show you how important it is to recruit and be willing to pull the trigger and make a change. And I just can't, for the life of me, I can't believe that a guy, an offensive mind like that, no offense, Martinez, but couldn't get a better quarterback. And I and we talked about that on the show before. It's it's tough to recruit in Lincoln unless you like stakes or farmers' daughters. There's not much there, but. By the same token, you're it, right? There's no pro sports. You're it. Yeah, you're the you're you're the kings. Show. I mean, everybody shows up, and I've heard nothing but rave reviews about the fans and the experience in Lincoln on game day. But my goodness, I mean, Purdue's good. Don't get me wrong, but you made their defense look like a top five defense because you just can't get out of your own way mm-hmm. and and make some decisions that will help your team get better. And I I think. I think we've got two programs at least that are probably looking for a new coach next year. I, I mean, I I compare Scott Frost and Jim Harbaugh. It's the I mean Harbaugh he's made coaching staff changes, but deep down inside, you know, he's not a guy that wants to change. He's running he's a nineteen forties offense. He's running that he said, the eye offense. You know, he's not. He did a little bit more to maybe expose weaknesses that Michigan State had. Or but he said, I'm going to put but, my nuts on the table and we're going to run it sixty times. You can't yeah, do that. You can't yeah. win games in the Big Ten against teams that can score against teams that have a, st- a, st- a tough front seven. You can't do that. You can't when you're doing it against freaking Western and Northern Illinois and and a bad Maryland, Washington like, team, right? Yeah, you you can do that, but you but practice use those games to get game reps and practice stuck in your ways. You wonder you wonder why you had to kick four field goals in the red zone. First of all, maybe because you were too conservative. Second of all, is because you don't have the trust in your quarterbacks to make those throws because they don't have game reps. Stop just, um, we're going to ground and pound, ground, pound, ground, pound, run it 75 times and get 350 yards rushing like we're Army or Navy or Air Force and then expect in a game like Michigan State or in a couple weeks a whiteout at Penn State or in the finale against Ohio State to be able to have your players make plays in those moments. That's coaching, and that's what I see at Nebraska too. And I mean, it's two guys, two quarterbacks, legendary quarterbacks for their programs with, you know, have had good careers elsewhere, uh, probably arguably Harbaugh more obviously went to a Super Bowl in the NFL and so on and so forth. But I just I, I don't know where Nebraska is going to turn. Where do you turn? I mean, he's the favorite son of a national championship team. What are you going to do? You've tried a lot of different things and it hasn't worked. And uh, you, I can tell you this. 
you got to be able to recruit. And Mel Tucker has shown what somebody who knows how to work the portal and recruit and stick to his guns and not reach beyond what he wants. He likes height on the line. He likes over six feet everywhere. You don't see him taking swings at guys that are, you know, a one star or two star. He's swinging for the five stars. Michigan State had a ton of recruits in this weekend. He's going to switch some of those guys. That's what you got to be able to do. And Michigan recruits by name. I think some of those things get, we've maybe talked a little bit on the podcast, get overinflated based on who your name is, minus Alabama. I think, you know, if you're getting recruited by certain schools, you you maybe move from a four to a five star because, oh, Michigan or Notre Dame or USC or Texas is looking at you. You know, so I don't know about that. But to Ryan's point, Harbaugh did make some good coaching changes. I mean, he's got some good coaches there, albeit a defensive coordinator who doesn't know how to get his team off the field. <clears throat> um, and spare me the, well, he wasn't used to that speed of the game in the NFL. Uh, it's week eight, guys. Like, figure that out by now. Um, it'll be really interesting to see where those two programs finish out. And, and does Nebraska quit on Frost, or do they fight, yeah. and do they give it a battle against Ohio State? I, I think that that puts a nail in his coffin. I think he's yeah. done after this weekend. And I kind of put this on the level of what led to the, the down, really the downfall of the Mark D'Antonio era at Michigan State, the greatest coach in Michigan State history. I mean, he was a guy who didn't evolve. He, he, if you don't evolve – Evolve nowadays in college football, you die. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened yeah. with Michigan State. He said, we're going to run the ball 40 <laughs> times a game with the, when we don't have a run game. And we're going to run a, a pro-style offense that is stuck in 1975. It's happening at Wisconsin to an extent. Yeah, it is. You know, they're stuck with that, that power eye game and just a good defense. And, and you have to evolve. That's Same why Ohio... Iowa. I mean, Ohio State did it for a long time, and then they finally... You know, trust the ball. Then they got out of that with Urban, and they got out of that with Day, and... Look, I mean, they're putting up 50 points in games. And, yeah, their defense struggles a little bit at times. But, you know what, if you outscore teams, who cares? Yeah. And I'm going to tell you what, the butts in the seats don't want a 10-7 to snoozer. Trust me, we saw that a few years ago in East Lansing. 37-33 to games like last week, that's what you want to see. It's like in basketball. You don't want to see a 52-50 to wiener grinder. You want to see a high-paced game. Now, you don't want to see an NBA game where they can take six steps and travel all over the place, but you want to see some points scored. And I think that's going to be eventually, potentially, the downfall of Wisconsin. I think that's how Illinois maybe bounces themselves back, but they're going to even have to stay. You know, when Bielema gets established, they're going to have to be able to go with the times. I think that's why Fleck does well, and he's able to plug guys in because he's, he's not afraid to kind of you know, go with what's, you know, working out there in the system. So, um, you know, the other game this week was Maryland got kind of a bounce back. They've played, a, you Indiana's know, bad. they had been on a big streak. Beat Indiana. Indiana got some points on the board, you know, get them maybe ready or more ready for this week. Their defense has kind of fallen a little bit on hard times. They're really hurt. Don't know if Penix is due back anytime well, soon. They're playing, no, they're playing the true freshman. Oh, they're playing the true freshman. He started last week, and he's starting this week. He had 285 and two touchdowns. And nice. Carr ran for 160 yards on. Maryland. So they got maybe they found something on offense. That freshman was more of a basketball recruit, um, which seems to be a thing lately. You know, great athletes, but you know we'll we'll get off the Big Ten here in a minute. But I mean, I think we're definitely seeing, you know, a separation of the cream from the crop. The West is still a mess. I think you know it's going to probably come down. Purdue's still in it to an extent, but I think it's really Minnesota and Wisconsin, and it's going to come down to when they play each other. <clears throat> probably in the last week of the season. Um, you know, unless Northwestern can bite somebody, unless Nebraska can bite somebody, 
Um, you know, Iowa really, for all intents and purposes, is out of it, and, and the Big Ten East is going to continue to settle itself. You know, um, with next weekend, you know, you've got uh, Michigan going to Penn State for a whiteout, and then Michigan State's got Ohio State, Penn State back to back. Ohio State's got Michigan in the back game, you know, back end. So I mean, there's there's a lot of good games to be played um, over the next couple of weeks. A lot of things to settle in, and we'll talk a little bit more about the CFP about what six. Big Ten teams in the CFP? I believe so, yeah. Three from the East. No Penn State, but three from the East, three from the West, all 20 and above. Um, Iowa's still in there somehow, some way. Because they're um, the But, sure. yeah, it'll be really interesting over these next few weeks. And what's it going to take to get a Big Ten team? In the, I think whoever wins the Big Ten, unless it's like a two-loss Minnesota team, you know, if it's Ohio State, if it's Michigan State, hey, I mean, if Michigan wins out and it's Michigan, whoever that team is, I think, gets into the CFP, no question. It's a matter of maybe where, but, um, you know, and shifted into, you know, around the world spot number three, let's talk about college football and we'll talk about the CFP a little bit. Ryan, I'll ask you, you know, we were sitting there watching it during dinner. I think we were both pleasantly surprised that Michigan State came in at number three. I think the resume speaks for itself. I'm kind of tired of hearing the, well, you didn't beat a winning team till last week. It's not easy to go down on the road and beat a Miami at Miami in basically in the summer. Um, be everybody Rutgers plays at their homecoming. You beat Indiana at their homecoming. Right. You beat Northwestern on, on the Friday road in the night. first game. Yeah, and I mean, and those are the same Big Ten teams that the rest of the East has basically had to play. You know, I mean, not everybody, but you know, who Ohio State's best win on the season is Penn State. So I don't that argument doesn't hold water with me. It's like you're always trying to find a reason to minimize the team, um, but still, Michigan State at three, Ohio State at five right yeah. ahead of Cincinnati um I think a tough road to hoe for Cincinnati I mean it's the I highest think, highest non-power five ranking for they they don't think they have a chance a team unless teams in front of them lose <clears throat> yeah right but then like Reese Davis said it's what's behind them too right or Herbie might have said it I mean you got undefeated Oklahoma, Oklahoma behind you got undefeated albeit how good is the ACC or how bad Wake. is the ACC Wake's right there Notre Dame's right there Michigan's right, Michigan's right, there. right there I mean a lot of things will happen because these teams are going to play each other, right? Like Alabama sells to play Auburn. They still have to play LSU. They're going to have to play Georgia. You know, they're going to have to play Georgia. And we already know Georgia's clinched the, the SEC East, so they're going to be in the championship game. So if Alabama wins out, they're going to play each other. That gives Alabama a second loss. What do you do then? How do you justify putting them in the top four if somebody else has one or zero losses? Like, So these are the things Cincinnati has to look at. I think, unfortunately, and they kind of said it on ESPN, is the last two weeks, Cincinnati's eh, against Navy yeah. eh, against Tulane has hurt them, and the problem is, is that it was a two and six team and a one and seven team, and they didn't play very well. And unfortunately, you've got to be super sexy past the eyeball test if you are, you know, one of a school like Cincinnati. You you have no margin for error, and you need somebody. It hurt them that SMU lost to Houston last week because they would have been in the top twenty five undefeated for sure. You kind of need them to win out so that can look like a good win at the end of the season in the, in the AAC finals, conference championship game. I mean, so much can happen. Oklahoma still has to play Iowa State. They have to play <clears throat> Oklahoma State. They have to play Baylor. So will they stay undefeated? They've been kind of like they struggled with Kansas. Yeah, their quarterback's great, but now their defense is playing like dog meat. It's kind of like the defense was good, Jeff but their offense I. wasn't, and then they flipped it. Um you know, last week in games, you had Georgia just absolutely destroy Florida. 
I don't know how Mullen keeps his job at Florida. I'm reading stuff all over the Athletic about yeah, how how he, he doesn't be on the ropes too. He doesn't prioritize recruiting. Um, this is according to other SEC coaches. Like he's not going out and finding guys. And we said it before. Michigan State is where they are because of the recruiting Tucker did, both out of the portal, and he's gotten some other pieces and parts that are in there as well. Now he's developed the Antonio talent too, but in the SEC, especially if you can't recruit, yeah, you ain't true. working. Like especially out of Florida. What are they going to, you know? And he's a he's an Urban Meyer guy, and Urban Meyer is a great recruiter. So I don't I don't quite understand that. Georgia is winning this season with an otherworldly defense and an okay offense. I mean, imagine if Kirby starts getting some more offensive pieces and parts in there. I, I mean, with that defense, and they're not like a bunch of super seniors. They've got a pretty young defense. I mean. They're not going to go away. And the SEC East is not all that great anyway. Kentucky took a 14-point L at Mississippi State. Um, You know, the West is definitely tougher. You got Oklahoma-Texas coming in. Will they rebalance the league? Who knows how all that stuff's going to work. But crazy stuff. I've read it somewhere and I couldn't find it now. But we're up to like 60-some ranked teams that have lost. Seven lost last week. Uh, you know, like 30-some have lost either unranked or teams ranked below them. You know, it's obviously crazy. you have a ranked team like Michigan losing to a ranked team Michigan State last week, and so that counts in that 60-some games. But still, um, just been a crazy season. You know, yeah, we've got four or five weeks to go with the CFP unveils, but it's fun to not sit there and say, okay, spots one, two, and three are locked up. Who's going to fight for the fourth spot? To have three teams legit fighting well, to have really probably seven or eight teams fight legitimately for three spots is going to make for a wild ride. Yeah, uh, crazy <laughs> stuff. I'll, I'll just talk real quick. Auburn has been very impressive since that Penn State loss. They're playing really well, trending up. Georgia definitely the best team in the country. Texas still not back. They kind of suck after, oh, oh, Sark, coach of the year, Sark. Nope, <laughs> nope, sorry, guys. Yeah, not so much. Uh, Miami trending back up, beat Pitt. Um, with Van Dyke as their quarterback, maybe looking like the quarterback of the future there. Yeah. At they're arguably their best, their, their top quarterback, their top receiver, their top running back, all gone for the season or in the transfer portal. And all of a sudden, don't look, but they have. I think they're four and three, four or and they're four, four and four. Yeah. You know, and they're not going to win the ACC, but they're trending up. Though. They're trending up, and they're making some noise. You know, after a rough kicking start. some some butt. They're looking like they probably could make a, a New Year's six if they win the ACC. They will. Um, Gary Patterson at TCU talked about that a little bit. He was there for twenty years, and they just like, "Yep, yeah, see you, bud." Ran him out, um, which is weird, crazy stuff. I, I I haven't read into it too much yet. Does he go to Texas Tech? Does no, he's done. Dykes from SMU go? I wouldn't be surprised if Dykes <clears throat> takes over at TCU. I knew I could see honestly going to TCU as Coach O. I don't know. Oh why. yeah, Coach O. He knows o. the South. Yeah, I, they, I could haven't said that name, but I I wouldn't be surprised. But I think that's all we got for college football. I mean, it's great looking at the. CFP rankings. I mean, surprises. Mississippi State seventeenth at five and three. <clears throat> Wisconsin's in there at five and three, ahead of Iowa, who they beat, which is normal. But Penn State's not in there, and Penn State beat them, and they have a better record. Penn right? State does. Yeah, so. that's crazy. I mean, they lost to Iowa. But the yeah. one thing I'll say that I really agreed and I appreciated from the CFP is that despite the fact that Oregon has. A not very good loss to a Stanford team, you know, with some circumstances. Their offensive coordinator, like, immediately had to go to the hospital that morning. 
They were a little dinged up. It was kind of a crazy way that the game ended. Still not a good loss. But they beat Ohio State at Ohio State. I'm glad that the committee did not discount that win, and they put them ahead of them. Now, are they the fourth best team? I would argue probably at this point in time. Cincinnati probably has an argument for that, being undefeated, having beaten Notre Dame on the road. And then you start talking one-loss teams. You know, Alabama, the one-loss being two. I just, I get it, eyeball test. I get it, Alabama's always in there. That's probably my one argument is that, okay, you know, you do the blind resume test like they do in, in basketball. And, and I read a, an article that was like a blind resume test, and it was you could tell it was Wake and Michigan State, like who's got the better, most impressive thing. A lot's going to change, so it doesn't matter. What it is today doesn't really matter except for it sets certain positions. Like it's harder to come from behind. Michigan State was 13th in the initial poll in 2015 and obviously got in the CFP. So it can happen. Um it's harder for a Cincinnati who's sitting there undefeated and can't really control who they're, you know, that the fact that their league is in eh, um, and they're a non-power five. So yeah, it's going to be super interesting over the coming weeks. Um, Big Ten's only going to, the belt's going to tighten. I'm really hoping that Michigan state um, is as focused as they uh, appear to be and that they can avoid the, the Purdue hammer. I mean, Purdue's got nine, wins over the AP ranked number two team. Michigan State's not AP number two, but you know, Mel went through all the stats in his press conference. That's going to be a great game. Um, the Big Ten is going to be a dogfight till the bitter end. I think the SEC West is going to be a dogfight until the bitter end. And we are in for a wild ride. Crazy stuff. All right. We are going to skip, as we said at the top, the NFL this week. Um, I think we've already set our piece on a couple of different things there. There's you know, still lots of season to be played. We're not even quite halfway there. Eight Ooh. weeks in, there's nine weeks to go. Um, thank God the Lions have a week off and they're on a bye week. Maybe they're they can, lose the bye week. They may as well just take the best high school team in Michigan and put them on the field. I mean, that's 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 how bad it's become. But all right, with college basketball literally next week around the corner, we are back to a four team preview. So here in spot number four. We'll let Ryan lead us off. He is going to give us a preview on Nebraska. Cornhuskers, um, coached by Fred Hoiberg. Um, I think it's his third year already. Crazy. Um, a team that I think they were dead last in the Big Ten last year. Um, is that right? I think they were. They were not good. Um, they lost yep. some of their key guys. They lost Blanton. I don't, I don't think he was even good, and he went to the league. Um, Trey McGowan's is back, though. He's probably their definitely their best returner. Um, pit transfer from a few years ago. Um, pretty good player. Um, I like what I saw out of him last year. And his brother comes in, Bryce. He's probably the best recruit they've had in a long, long time. Uh, borderline five star, six five six six guard. Um, he'll probably play big minutes, I would think, for for um, Nebraska this year. But I mean, looking at their roster, shocking. Fred Hoiberg has a bunch of transfers. We got. C.J. Wilcher comes in. He's from Xavier. He played a little bit last year. 6'5 guard. Alonzo Verge, he's a senior. Arizona State transfer. Don't know much about him, but he's a transfer. Kobe Webster, he was a transfer last year from Western Illinois. Good shooter. Um, showed that he can play in the Big Ten kind of small, but he's all right. Lat Mayen, if you don't remember from last year, big, taller, darker-skinned guy. Um, that big daddy Latins. No, it's Lat Mayen. That's his, oh. his first name's Lat. But he's he's all right. Derek Walker. I don't remember if he was there. Was he there last year? I don't Tennessee transfer six nine two forty. He looks like an absolute. Bru- okay, oh, he, was, so. he was. He okay. was. Um, 
he's he's pretty good. Um, not a bad player at all. Um, and then they got a guy, Trevor Lakes, a transfer from Indianapolis, uh, which is kind of funny. Division um, two. Yep, University of Indianapolis, the Greyhounds, I believe. Yeah, you Indy. Um, and then some, just some <clears throat> other guys. Uh, lots of freshmen coming in, but I, I, I just don't think they're going to be great. Um, I just don't see it. This isn't your typical Fred Hoiberg when he was at Iowa State, a bunch of really good high-level transfers from Michigan State, from Minnesota, <clears throat> schools like that, smaller schools. I mean, I think they'll they'll be competitive because they'll play hard. Hoiberg's a really good coach. Their schedule is not overly difficult by any stretch. I mean, looking at it right now, um, Colorado, or I'm sorry, Creighton, who's not very good this year, uh, that's one of their tougher ones at NC State, who's been okay, and then Auburn, definitely their their toughest game, um, who's who's going to be a preseason uh, ranked team there. But just their Big Ten schedule is pretty hard. Uh, Michigan twice, um, Illinois a couple times, uh, Michigan State only once, which is nice for them. Uh, Wisconsin a couple times, Ohio State a couple times. So not easy by any stretch. I'm thinking 13th or 14th in the Big Ten this year. Cornhuskers, sorry. Yeah, well, and if you don't have the 13th or 14th place team, I've got the one that's going to jockey for last place with you. They might be my worse. That, I, I forgot that they're that. And that is the Minnesota Golden Gophers oh, who were gutted. I forgot. New coach, Rick, Richard Patino out, you know, went 6-14 and 14 in the Big Ten. He had some pretty good players last year. I mean, he had Marcus Carr. The had, the, Michigan State. had the big fella who transferred in from, like, what, uh, Drake, he's from Drake, and, and then, then he's he, at Vandy now. Vandy now, you know, so they lost that. You bring in 40-year-old, played a couple of years with uh, Minnesota back in the day, was an early assistant um, with Patino. That's Ben Johnson. Um, I think they're thinking let's kind of slowly build this and, and build a culture from the inside out. Pretty good recruiter. Recruited guys like Amir Coffey, Jordan Murphy to the program. Um, he came from Xavier where he was an assistant coach. Um, he's in for a long haul. I'm I'm just glancing right now at their starting five. Their I don't senior, know senior, either. senior, sophomore, senior. I can't say that I remember any of these guys. You got Luke Lowe. He's a transfer from William and Mary. He was a star there, but was at Bill and Mary. Um, you know, score average sixteen point two points a game last year. He's a super senior. Led the Colonial and assist to turnover ratio. Um, as a junior, he's a pretty good shooter. He's going to need to be. Then at shooting guard, they got Peyton Willis, another transfer, another CAA, College of Charleston. Um, you know, so it's like going to be transfer you, kind of like Nebraska. So who gets the better transfers? Oh. Another transfer at small forward, EJ Stevens, who's from Lafayette. I think another, oh, that's a Patriot League team. Again, a scorer, good free throw shooter, good assist guy, but I mean, can, can, that can, can you have three guys like that translate to the Big Ten? No, like one. Like Michigan's got the guy from Coastal. Michigan State's got Walker from Northeastern. Northeastern. One to blend in with other Big Ten talent, but three of your starters being low, low-level D1s. And actually, like the Patriot, you don't even get a scholarship there. Um, oh, and let's look at their fourth one. Uh, stop me if you've heard this, but another transfer. Jamison Battle. He last played at George Washington, another um, an AT or an A10 team. Again, a score, a lot of points, a lot of rebounds. Pretty decent three point shooter. He's from uh, the area, um, so you know he's a Minnesota native. 
he's kind of been all over the place. He's a sophomore, so he's the youngster of the group. He's I think he's already on his third program. And then your only returning player is Eric Curry, and I hardly he's been remember there for him. 30 years. He struggled with injuries. He tore an ACL and the MCL in the 2017. Yeah, he's been he missed there. time he's in 1819. He averaged like 3.7 points and 3.1 rebounds last year. He's going to have to be the guy that they lean on as a senior. But, I mean, look, if I haven't heard of their starters, who the heck, who are their reserves, right? you got big guys, Sean, not big guy, but the names off the bench, Sean Sutherland, another transfer, New Hampshire, so another smaller school. Again, decent score there, but will that translate? Uh, a freshman, <clears throat> I'm going to butcher this, Abdullah. See him. Um, this is his first year at D1 after playing for Indian River State College last year, which I presume was probably a JUCO, uh, maybe a D2. Um, I, boy, Charlie Daniels, a senior transfer, exhausting his eligibility at Minnesota, also went to Indian River State College. Um, and then they've got Trayton Thompson, who's a true freshman, who's probably their only and their best recruit is a three-star, um, one of the top 200 players in his class. But, boy, uh, it <laughs> with that lineup, it's, I mean, rough. they might get somebody. You know, Ben Johnson's probably going to get them, <coughs> excuse me, to play a certain style. You know, somebody's going to take them lightly. They're going to get a win. and They're not going to lay an egg and go 0-20 in the Big Ten. They'll probably go 3-17. They, they I mean, they're playing, like, their schedule. I mean, I'm just at a glance. They've got... Concordia, St. Paul, um, Kansas City, Western Kentucky, who the Hilltoppers are pretty decent, Princeton or South Carolina, Mississippi State, Not bad. Pittsburgh. Not good. I mean, okay, so they could win some games. They have back-to-back games in the middle of non-conference play against Michigan State and Michigan. Ouch. When they get back into it in Jan- you know in January, they're playing Illinois, Indiana, Michigan State in a row. I mean, I would be hard pressed to see this team win more than eight games, and I'm going to say they will finish dead last. Not yeah, Nebraska. I, yeah. I think Hoiberg will find a way to he, he'll scrap out some wins with Nebraska. But I just don't see that. Happening it escaped with, my mind how team. bad Minnesota is, which sucks because they. I mean they've. And they had good talent last year. You know, they just they didn't coach it at all. So, um, very interesting. Very interesting. And, oh, a little live update. Braves just hit a three-run jack in the top of the he third. He just hit it about 500 feet as well. Third home run in the post. Yeah, just absolutely crushed it. So, they're up 3 nothing in the World Series. Spot five. All right, Let's spot go. number five. Let's go. Um, Ryan, we are covering. Let's see. Who are you covering in the spot five? I Illinois, got, right? Yeah, we're going from the cellar dwellers to the top of the... the the cream of the crop. Well, for your team, not for my uh, Yeah, for me at least. Um, a team that I think's top, at worst, probably going to finish fourth in the Big Ten. That's the Illinois fighting Illini. Brad Underwood, he's been there for a long time. Not really, actually. I'm just kidding. I think it's his fifth year, fifth or sixth year. He's got a good team coming back. Um, going into the offseason, there was a lot of uh, back and forth. Are they going to lose these guys? Like, what's going to happen? And the guys going to come back for sixth year? Fifth year, whatever, they got some of these guys back, and they are going to be legit. They're a preseason top ten team by a lot of people. Um, preseason Big Ten Player of the Year for most and Kofi. Uh, preseason All America, all that stuff. 
We'll start with the roster. I'm going in numer- numerical order with guys who played and I know about. Uh, start with Trent Frazier, veteran. I think he's fifth-year guy, lefty. He's been really good for them. Kind of took a backseat to I.O. the past couple years. He's, he's probably going to be the lead guard um, right now in terms of veteran-wise. Um, good defender. He can shoot it a little bit. He's he's pretty crafty. Um, he's a tough player. That's that's a really good place to start having a senior as your two guard that has a lot of experience in the Big Ten. Uh, Jacob Grandison, I he played a little bit last year, I believe. Maybe, did he? I, I can't remember. Okay, I'm looking at the – yeah, he played a little bit last year. Um, he is a holy cross transfer. They think he can be really good. He's a good shooter. Um, 6'6", wing, could be a good player for him. Omar Payne comes over from Florida, 6'10", 240, started for the Gators a lot last year. Um, another big guy just throw in there. He's going to be key for them. Don't know if they can play him and Kofi together. I don't know if this guy can stretch the floor at all. I'm guessing not. Seems more like a typical post. And then there's a guy who many are saying is a top five player in the Big Ten. I don't know if that's true, but he might be one of the craftiest players I've seen, one of the most unique guards, and that's Andre Curbelo. Um, he's going to be the lead guard, um, one man running the show, um, a risk taker, and he it pays off all the time. Sometimes it doesn't, but with him, you just take what you take what you're going to get from him because he's going to make you some great plays. Um, he's a really good rebounder for being six one one seventy five. That's a little guy. He's a great rebounder, good passer. Um, shooting came along towards the end of last year. I think he can be a special player for Illinois, and he's going to be a four year guy probably because of his height. Um, unless he somehow gets more athletic and gets a really good jump shot down. But, oh, that guy can play. He's going to be good um, for the Illini this year. Luke Good comes in 6'7 guard, um, just a sniper uh, from Fort Wayne Homestead. Big-time talents come out of there um, in the past 10 years. Uh, but really good shooter, probably going to find find a niche there for, for the Illini. Alfonso Plummer, um, another transfer for him um, from Utah. He's a 6'1 guard, uh, grad transfer, played decent amount for Utah, um, good shooter, good scorer, good passer, probably will play in there a little bit for him. Demonte Williams, another guy back, fifth-year guy, experience. He Last year, I think he shot like 55% from three, didn't shoot that many, but he made a lot of shots. He took veteran, really good defender. He, kinda, he guarded a lot of team's best Guards or smaller forwards, um, and he's a hometown guy from Illinois. Um, he'll play a very key role for him. I'm going to skip their most important player and come back to him. Austin Hutcherson, uh, graduate transfer, played for Wesleyan um, D3 school. Uh, he's uh, I think he's going to be Duncan Robinson, another guy that's a shooter. Um, keep throwing him, throwing in the shooters there with Kofi. And then Coleman Hawkins played a little bit last year. Except he's never going to give it back up. You're right. Then, uh-huh. then I'll get to the guy, the preseason All-American, Kofi, seven foot 285, just a mountain of a man. Um, powerful, really good rebounder, shot blocker, just a enforcer in the lane. An absolute black hole once he does the ball. I think he had like five assists last year. Who I think it was. It, Maybe it was five at, at, the, at the end, end of the of year. year but but. The guy, if he can learn to pass, I mean, I would just double down. Double down, triple down. If he can learn to pass with these shooters that they have outside, they could be legit. But if he doesn't pass, could be the same as, as last year. He'd probably have a good team, but limited offensively because of that. 
and maybe an early exit in the tournament. Definitely a tournament team, like I said, top four team in the Big Ten in my mind. Probably third behind Michigan-Purdue. You could flip-flop the two there and toss a coin, whatever you want to say. But I think Illinois is going to be really good. Um, lost a few assistant coaches to Kentucky, um, which is interesting. But, I mean, looking at their schedule, um, and Kofi suspended for the first three games, actually, because he started selling stuff for NIL before he was allowed to. So he's missing Jackson State, big game for him, Arkansas State, and then Marquette, who might be a little tougher, but still not great um, in Shaka's first year. But looking at the schedule, Marquette on the road, not easy, but probably a win. Cincinnati, and then either Arkansas or Kansas State in the Hall of Fame. Classic Arkansas is on up and up with with Coach Muss. And then Big Ten ACC challenge by Notre Dame, who's also a team that is should be good this year, um, I think. And then they play Arizona at home. And then Missouri, like they always do, around Christmas time. And then Big Ten play starts up, I think, let's see, Michigan State twice. They only get Michigan once, which is big time. Uh, they only get Ohio State once. They have Maryland only once. I mean, that's, that's some of the better teams. Actually, I'm sorry, once. twice Maryland twice, but uh, that's that's some of the the better teams only once, which is nice for them. But I think it'll be a good year in Champaign. Um, definitely, a probably a top four seed in the NCAA tournament uh, next March. Yeah, and I'm going to round it out here with Penn State. Um, not one of the bottom feeders, but, you know, kind of a, right around that 9, 10, 11 range. You know, somehow managed 11 and 14, 7 and 12 in the Big Ten last year, even though Pat Chambers had to resign at the beginning of the season and they had some pretty good talent on that roster. Jim Ferry did a pretty good job. They went over and got Micah Shrewsbury from Purdue, who's, you know, Matt Painter's bench the last couple of years, he's been, you know, several years of experience at the Boston Celtics. He coached years ago in NAIA as a head coach, didn't do well, but, you know, presumably after, you know, this time and this experience, he's, he's gotten better. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he changes up kind of the brand of basketball. Does he kind of make it a little bit more Purdue where they like to obviously be really big with some shooters where they can kick it inside and out? They got bigs that can pass it. It'll be interesting to see. Obviously, he's playing with the roster that he's got. Um, Penn State, not unlike the other team that I had, and Nebraska, some transfers in there. Their point guard, Jaheim Cornwall, is a transfer from Gardner-Webb. Um, he was all big South player there. You know, good good shooter, good three-point shooter. Um, you know, he'll be a good offensive player, I think, for them. Um, Jalen Pickett, you know, never has played for, the, you know, the Knits, but he's already one of the team's best players. He was the MAAC MAC. Uh, Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference shooting guard um, player of the year in 2019. Um, he's only the second sophomore to ever do so. A little step back last year, kind of a career low, points and assists per game. But his rebounds were up. He's he's kind of a stat sheet stuffer. I think that he could be kind of that one lower level transfer guy for them that does something as at shooting guard. You know, coming back, guys that you will know, Miles Dredd. Um, he's he's probably better as a shooting guard. He may come off of the bench at times. Um, you know, right now he's kind of a, a wing player for them. Tweener. You know, he's a tweener. He started his first two seasons, um, but he's a nice player for them. Not a great he's stat sheet guy, but he's solid. You got Seth Lundy, um, who solid. was pretty good as a sophomore last year. He's a junior. 
Um, solid 10 points, 4.2 rebounds. Um, he had a couple of 30-point performances last year. So he can score. He's a little undersized at 6'6", but you know, as big as there's guys in the Big Ten, there's some undersized guys like we talked about, like EJ Liddell, that are like that. Um, so he could be pretty good. And then you got John Harar, the senior. Under the radar. Very underrated. He can shoot. He's a rebounder. He's a hustler. He's a make-the-dirty. He kind of reminds me of like a Matt Costello type. Probably scores a little bit more even, but he's close to. he could be close to a double-double guy. Averaging this season, I think, you know, he gives them some good, solid post play in there. You got off the bench, Sam Sessoms. Um, he was a two, two, he had two star seasons at Binghamton. Um, he, a little tough last year, but I think that he could be somebody that uh, um, does some good things for them off the bench. You got Giovanni Scott, who's a junior, new to Penn State from South Plains College in the junior college ranks. Um, so one of those kind of unknown guys. And then you got Greg Lee. Um, he played for Western. Yeah, Western, Cal State, Bakerfield. Was he number 55? No, that was the guy that played for uh, Minnesota that was from Western, I think. Yes. But um, So, you know, Penn State, I think, is, they've got some guys. I, you know, I don't think that they're going to – they're not going to make a run at the top half of the Big Ten. But I think they could kind of sneak into that, you know, 9-10 spot. They'll play spoiler. They always win a game that they shouldn't. Sometimes too, I wish they wouldn't play in the cavernous arena that they play in. That they have to keep pitch black because nobody's there. Like you know, put them in a small arena. Put them like you know, back in the day they used to play in a cracker box of a gym, and the students would be like with, literally within arm's length of the floor, and it gave them a home court advantage. Like I don't understand why it's all about the big arena that you can't fill. You know, your Penn State's never going to be a top four annual Big Ten team in basketball. But they can play spoiler and, and ride who you are, right? See who your culture is. So it'll be interesting to see what Shrewsbury does there. Um, you know, they play Youngstown State. They got UMass, St. Francis, Brooklyn, Cornell. Um, you know, they, they've they got LSU in the Emerald Coast Classic. <laughs> Maybe Oregon State or Wake Forest. They're playing Miami at Big Ten ACC Challenge, um, which is kind of a weak draw for Penn State in that. You know, Miami's not what they've been. Uh, VCU is going to be a tough one on the road. You know they've got um, games at or against Michigan State and Ohio State before the calendar flips over. Um, they get Purdue and Michigan just once each. Um, you know, but they do have a series of games as Purdue, Rutgers, and Ohio State in a very short period of time. You know, I don't think Penn State's going to turn out a winning record, but I do think that they're going to make some mm-hmm. noise at times. In the Big Ten, maybe even be one of those teams that gets a win or two in the Big Ten tournament. Um, but they're definitely uh, right around kind of 10th in the pack type of team. Yeah, completely agree with that. All right. Moving on as we're over an hour again, just because we had so much to talk about with the big game. Um, let's go to our two-minute drill and our pick em for the week. Last week was less than stellar. Yeah, probably our worst week overall. Both of us went 7-5. and five. I am 92-26 on the year. You are 89-29. Um, remaining idle the last freaking four weeks, five weeks. Jeez, yeah. So we're into week ten. Um, crazy that we're this far into it. But without further ado, um, the nail in the coffin for Scott Frost: Ohio State versus Nebraska. Easy win for the Buckeyes. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Nebraska hangs with them a little bit. They throw a little bit of the kitchen sink at them, kind of like they did with Michigan. But I just I just don't see how they can 
yeah, score with Ohio, <laughs> with Ohio State. They're not going to stop them, and I just don't think they can score with them. They just don't. They just turn the ball over too much. Ohio State wins by two touchdowns. Completely agree. Least. Illinois, Minnesota, um, Illinois. Well, they've beaten. They beat Penn State, so maybe Minnesota's an upset alert. I don't think so. PJ Flex, a good coach. Minnesota wins this one. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Minnesota wins. They were going to find they've got they they had a linebacker converted linebacker score a touchdown from running back last week. So they had a week to figure out who's going to take the reps there this week. I think that they get that done. Penn State versus Maryland. Um, Penn State looked better last week. Clifford looks healthier. Maryland's defense is horrible. Penn State. Yeah, Penn State is due for a win. I mean, it is on the road. But they've lost three in a row. I just don't see them losing this game. And even with Michigan in the whiteout the next week, you know, there's nothing easy in the last three weeks because even Rutgers is not playing that bad. And then they've got at Michigan State. So I think this is kind of a must win to to uh, get to a decent bowl game. And, hey, maybe Franklin's on the way out anyway. Who knows? Michigan State-Purdue, uh, a game I still look at as a trap game for Michigan State. But I feel better about it. Um, with the way that Tucker's talked about it, the guys talked about it in their press conference today, how they're very focused on this game. Um, I had me worried Sunday maybe they'd lay an egg. I don't think that happens. I think it's going to be a, a dogfight. I think Michigan State prevails like 31-24, uh, gets out of West Lafayette, a place that's not easy to win, especially for Michigan State. Nine, We've had some demons nine there. And yeah, I – I am the same. I said to Ryan in our tailgate on Saturday, I, I I could have seen us blow out Michigan and then go and lay an egg at Purdue. I think because of the way we had to come back, I think it keeps their full attention. I like the focus. I mean, there's still college kids. Stuff can happen. Purdue's going to be swinging. I think it's going to be a really tight game. I think it's going to be another one that Michigan State pulls out at the end. Maybe this time I'll get that scoop six. I almost did have my premonition come true last week. Ron Williams booted uh, the scoop six wasn't exactly for the same score and same point in the game. That would have been huge against Michigan. I think there's going to be a defensive score in this game, and I think that's going to be the difference maker for Michigan State. Yeah, agree. Uh, Wisconsin-Rutgers um, could be a little bit of a challenge for Wisconsin, um, who's now ranked. On the road, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I think Wisconsin's going to win this one. I think their defense will stop Rutgers, and then they'll have enough. It's going to be low scoring, probably like 16-10 or something. Yeah. I think Wisconsin prevails. I think so, too. I think Wisconsin gets the dub there. This one's tricky for me. I, I've, I've gone back and forth on it. Iowa, Northwestern. I don't think Northwestern's offense is overly dynamic. We know what Iowa's defense is. It's been pretty good, though they've been dinged up. I think that they can run the ball on Northwestern. I think that's all they should do, frankly, because Michigan State – pounded Northwestern on the ground. Wisconsin, or in all these different teams, have pounded Northwestern on the ground. I think that happens again. Iowa's just going to run the ball 60 times and throw it maybe twice, and they're going to beat Northwestern. Yeah. Um, Northwestern's had Iowa's number lately. It is at Northwestern. I could use a make-up, make up some ground, but I just, I think, I think Iowa wakes back up, and I think they get the win here. IU, U of M, night game at the big house. Um, I think Michigan might be a little asleep at the wheel at the beginning of this game. I think that Indiana is going to punch them in the mouth, and it's going to be a dogfight. I think Michigan's going to end up winning a close one, um, closer than a lot of people think. I think it's probably going to be like a 28-21 or 28-20 game. Um, I think Indiana's just going to punch above their weight in this one. They they have nothing to lose now, uh, especially since if they lose, they're not going to make a bowl. So I think they're going to keep punching, but Michigan's going to prevail in the end. 
Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I could. It just depends on how focused Michigan's going to be. They certainly have a lot to play for. I think the stat ESPN threw out tonight is they're the they have the second highest or third highest chance to make the CFP with, as a, a current one loss team, just buying Ohio State and Alabama. I think it's going to take them <clears throat> a little while to wake up. They jumped on Michigan State early and then fell asleep at the wheel. I think it's going to be different. I agree with Ryan. I do think that they'll end up winning by double digits in the end, but I think Indiana will capture their attention in the first half before Michigan runs away with it. Auburn A&M, a pretty <clears throat> big game in the in the SEC West. Probably a pseudo-elimination game, really, um, in, in the West side there. Um, Auburn... I think is one of the hotter teams right now in the country. They they have my attention. I'm going with the Tigers. Is that where is that game being played? I don't know. I can tell you. Let's see. Um, you know Auburn is playing extremely well right now. They've beaten some teams of different styles. I like the way Nick's is playing. I think he's a good dual threat now that he's kind of playing within himself. He's finally kind of woken up. Texas A&M. I think you know they had a huge win. They certainly could get this win, but I'm going to go with the same. I'm going to go with Auburn. In this yeah, game. it looks like it's at A&M actually. So yeah, oh, it's well, at A&M. We so. could both be wrong. So, but I'm going to stick with Auburn as my you pick. Go Auburn. Uh, tomorrow night, some action. The in-state rivals, Central Michigan and Western oh, Michigan. Nice. Um, I don't really. I, I'll say Western because they beat Pitt. I don't really know too much about either team, um, but Western beat Pitt. Ladarius Jefferson's their running back. Go Bronx. Yeah, I mean, that's always a great rivalry game. Um, it's kind of cool that it's on a Wednesday. People can watch it, but I got to go. I need, I need to pick outside the box, but I got to go with your Westerns better. Western yeah, gets that win. Completely agree. Um, Titans, Rams, uh, it's going to be Sunday Night Football this week. I made my decision before I knew Derrick Henry was hurt, and I'll stick with it. The Rams are going to win. I think they're the best team in the NFC. Yeah, the Titans have won three big games in a row. Can they make it four? Can they do it without Derrick Henry? You said they went outside Adrian Peterson. Um, they certainly have the wherewithal to do it, but I think their little mojo, their current mojo run runs out, and I would agree. I think Stafford and the Rams get it done. Last one, uh, since the Lions are playing with you, Cardinals-Niners, a little NFC West game. Cardinals lost last week. I think they bounced back with the dub. Against the Niners. Yeah. I, I, San Francisco shows flashes. If that game is in San Francisco, that is a that is not a home field advantage for the 49ers. Either way, I think that the Cardinals kind of get it right and, and they uh, get back on the right winning track and they get that win as well. Chalk. All right, that's it for this week on Pick'em. All right, Ryan, give us a little bit of uh, – or what, at first no, we, we got to do sprint. First we got to do our sprint. That's right, I'm jumping ahead of ourselves. All right. More overrated coach, Harbaugh or Frost? Harbaugh. What bowl does MSU end up in? I'm going with the Rose Bowl against the Ducks. Who would you have picked as a guest picker instead of Ken Jong for the Michigan State Michigan Anybody game? But, I mean, that, he's a funny guy, not a Michigan State guy. I'd go with like Magic or something like right. that. And does that performance automatically earn K9 a trip to New York City? Yes, I think he's. Hello, New York. Um, like Gus said, rest assured, I'm going to be there. He's he's going to be there. I don't know if he's going to win it, but he's going to be there. More overrated coach. Uh, I got to go because he's at a program that should recruit itself as Harbaugh. Even when he's brought in fancy assistant coaches, they haven't done squat. Um, what does what bowl does Michigan State end up in? I agree, it's going to be a it's going to be a New Year's Six. I don't think that they're going to ultimately end up in the playoff. I do think Ohio State's better. Um, but I could see him in the Rose Bowl, and I'd be plenty happy with that. Who would I have picked as the MSU guest? I mean, 
get Izzo for crying out loud. Get Magic. I mean, Kim Jong went to Duke. This isn't Duke, North Carolina. It's not like game day for basketball. I, I that That's a puzzler for me. I think ESPN's just grasping at straws trying to get stuff, and clearly their viewership was less than Fox Big Noon. According to people I talked to, the crowd was way less at the ESPN one than it was at even Barstool, uh, which was the third rated of the three that were there. So I would have just, you know, Day Day's playing, Kirk Cousins is in the season, so, you know, those guys maybe are not guys you could get. If Day Day was around, that's the guy you got to get. Um, but otherwise, get Magic, get somebody like that. And does that performance earn him a trip? To, I, I don't see why not. I mean, unless he, God forbid, gets hurt or he just really lays an egg over the last four weeks of the season. I mean, you got to think he can average 100 yards over those four games combined. That doesn't mean he's going to get 100 in each of the games. But, you know, he's going to keep scoring touchdowns. Michigan State's going to use him in multiple ways, especially if Naylor's out for any extended period of time. They'll probably use him a little bit more in the passing game, get him outside. I think he goes to New York. I don't know that he necessarily wins because I think it's rigged towards quarterbacks for winning teams and isn't the best player. But K-9 is, in my estimation, bar none, the best player in college football this year, which is what the Heisman should be. All right, now, Ryan, wrap us up. Yep, uh, follow us on Twitter at the score 35 You know the drill. Um, thank you all for pushing out our podcast last week. Really successful. Um, we're just happy that people listened to it and liked it. That was really fun. Um, and another great one this week. So uh, appreciate you guys. Keep listening. Keep giving us stuff. Uh, we love it. Agree with that. Thanks, Ryan. Want to give a little shout out to our sponsor, our presenting sponsor, Team Anders Realty. Cteamanders.com for all of your West Michigan Realty needs. We've got plenty to talk about over the next couple weeks. College basketball, college football. It's going to be really the next three, four months almost exclusively. Going to be great. We'll try to keep them under an hour and 15 minutes. But, hey, when you got a lot of good stuff to talk about, you just keep talking. So, meantime, as Tuck said, it was an electric atmosphere. Student section was there. They were there early. And it was a lot of excitement, a lot of anticipation. When you're playing the school from down the road, there's a different look in people's eyes. It means a little bit more to feel that in the woodshed. It was packed and everyone was there and the whole world was watching. So it was very impressive and inspiring. How can you not play your heart out or coach your heart out in an atmosphere like that? We're all in it together.